Welcome to Multiversal Q, your guide at a comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm the drummer for Pearl Jam. And I'm the winner of that contest we had. The contest of Bampians? Yep. You were the most badass motherfucker in that mm-hmm. situation. It's true. I haven't seen many people take on an entire room of nerds by saying that Joss Whedon is not necessarily overrated, but he has several peculiarities with his directing style that should be criticized and not just ignored and swept under the rug. Civil War Two happening today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we are covering Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. Written by Mike Mignola and Richard Pace, with pencils by Troy Nixie, inks by Dennis Jenke, with Dave Stewart on the colors, Bill Oakley on the letters, and Mike Mignola did the covers as well. Which is very obvious, because they're like the most Mike Mignola covers. Well, yeah. That sort of composition-y thing that he likes to do. Yeah. And lots of lines, so everyone looks kind of blocky. Mm-hmm. Which always works well for him. Yeah, he knows how to balance that out. He knows what he's doing. So, I have slightly more H.P. Lovecraft experience than you, because this is an H.P. Lovecraft Batman take. Well, I mean, if Mike Mignola is writing something, it's probably an H.P. Lovecraft something take. Mm Mm-hmm. It's what the man does. Yeah, he does like his uh, pulpy gothic horror yeah which man knows how to do it well so i'm down for it yeah i mean there are a few things here that didn't necessarily work for me but there's also some really cool references that i did not actually pick up until i looked them up oh nice mm-hmm. i think uh for me maybe it might have worked a little bit better if it was actually a little longer yeah it, there's a it, couple it, things where it's like i feel like maybe if you like had a little more time to flesh this out well, and I think the other thing that it was missing is it really needed, like, chapter breaks in between. Because it was originally published as a four-issue miniseries. And Which, yeah. They it don't really like have the uh, covers in between. So it all sorts of runs together. Like, there's yes. discernible parts in it. But... Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. I will disagree with the person who I saw. I was like, we need to have a sequel that puts in, like, a really weird version of the Scarecrow and stuff. It's like, no. It it worked well by, like, not putting in every character that it could. Yeah. I also think they should have been a little bit more exposition at the beginning, because I was actually a little confused on what the hell was going on. Yeah, but, I mean, that's partially cosmic horror trips. Yeah. But let us get in to the story. It's 1928, and the ship, the Argo, has reached Cape Victoria in Antarctica, where the crew have found the Cobblepot Expedition ship, which recently went missing. As the captain, Bruce Wayne, went to explore, Dick Grayson found the ship's log written by Professor Oswald Cobblepot, who remarked on the things that went strange. While Bruce continued into the cold, he saw the naked form of Cobblepot retreating into a cave. And when he ventured inside, 
All he found was penguins covered in boils and a man digging a massive creature out of the ice. The man, August Grindon, refused to leave, and when Bruce attempted to force him out, a flock of the diseased penguins attacked him until he scared them off with a handgun. So, fun fact, Devin, are you ready? Yeah, go for it. So, Grindon was the pen name of August Derleth, who was the first publisher of the works of H.P. Lovecraft. So, August Derleth, Grindon, August Grindon. Yeah. Thanks, Wikipedia. Oh, see, that's not at all what I thought I was going for, but cool. Just the way he looked and how he's kind of a zombie, I was kind of picking up a Solomon Grundy-type vibe. No, he's Mr. Freeze. Well, later, yes. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if that's... But, I mean, but his name's not Victor Freeze. Yeah, they didn't use, except for two of the characters, like, the actual... Well, yes and... Yeah. They didn't really use some of the character names. Yeah. Some of them they did, though. So... Yeah, I'm going to ditch the radio narration voice. Okay. So, Bruce knocks Grendon out, and he sees part of the exposed horror, which is known as the Lurker on the Threshold, before he returns to the ship with Grendon. Back on the ship, Tim Drake receives a call from Bruce for explosives, and Bruce and the crew use them to seal off the cave as the voice talks to Bruce and says, The thing is coming, which only he can hear. And as they oh, here, right here is where it confused me a little bit for the longest time, too. Yeah. Which is, you see them having Grendon, like, in that, like, little hold on the ship. Mm-hmm. I thought he blew up Grendon. I was actually very confused on who that was in the hold of their ship. Oh, no, he doesn't blow up Grendon. Yeah. No, I, I figure that out later, but... Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't Just because you see him knock him out and just kind of leave him there, I kind of assumed he kind of killed him. He should have. Yeah. And then he just, like, blew him up and was just like, yeah, whatever. Yep. And uh, as they're preparing to leave, a possessed cobblepot who's still human but also still naked looks on with the other penguins. Bruce possessed or not, way to go, cobblepot, for not totally just dying of hypothermia right then and there. It's the blessing of the Elder Gods. Mm Mm-hmm. So Bruce, tired from this last mission, decides to return home for the first time in 20 years with the ship's captain, Alfred, at the helm. Meanwhile, Bruce's shipmates have put Grennan into the freezer because when he warmed up, he smelled like rotten flesh. Jason Todd is working on a refrigerated suit for him, and as Bruce has a moment to himself, he realizes that this is what he has been waiting for for the 20 years as the ship returns to Gotham City. I just really like the fact that he has the Batman suit with him on this ship. Just like I want to believe for 20 years he just had it there, just in case. Oh, you know, sometimes you get an idea, and if you've got the money, you're like, oh, yeah, let's print this out. Or and, also, uh, and I also like up. the fact, too, that he just has like an entire like little ship that is just worked by nothing but the little Robins. Mm-hmm. Which, like, raises a question of where he got them. Yeah. And back in the freezer, Grendon talked to his god. And so as Bruce comes back into Gotham City, he has a flashback of when his parents died. His father had been going over the city history with him and discussing the legacy of the Waynes when a mysterious man attacked, shouting, The Thing is Coming! before stabbing Thomas Wayne and killing Martha. But not Which, Martha, she... you could have run for it. Why were you yeah. busy holding Tom? 
Yep. But uh, luckily she told Bruce to run so he didn't also get his ass murdered. Yep. And run away he did into the nearby church where the ringing of the bells sent a swarm of bats onto him. And here's the question that I have. Was it immediately, oh, Bruce, your parents have died. Let's go on a 20-year expedition in a boat. I want to say no. There was some time in between that just because he looks a little bit older than, like, 30. It's undefined. I know. I want to believe that there was some time in between, because otherwise, I agree, that's weird. Mm-hmm. So, Bruce leaves Jason to watch the ship and returns to Wayne Manor, in which they find Bruce's family portrait has been shredded, and there's a dead man in the chair whose body shows signs of a struggle, and also marks of something reptilian on his skin. The man says his name is Langstrom, before a massive flames shoots from the chimney, and a man appears, a man named Jason Blood, who is allowed to tell him four things. First is pretty much his homecoming a set of events and emotion that are his father's fault. Second, that if he is to succeed, Bruce Wayne must die and become himself. Three, beware dust come alive again. And four, to save Gotham City, he must cut out its heart. And once these four things are said, Jason has turned into the demon Etrigan and jumped out the window. And then Bruce receives a dinner invitation from Oliver Queen and has Alfred move the corpse into the Batcave. Which Alfred thinks is a wine cellar. But poor Alfred. He was just trying to make everything fancy. He was. He'd be a really good real estate salesman. He would. So Oliver Queen lives in this penthouse filled with mounted animals that he's killed. And as Bruce and Oliver talk about some of their adventures, they mention how Oliver believes that he and Bruce are going to die in Gotham City. And they also talk about some of the recent events, how Jimmy Gordon is now the chief of police. Harvey Dent is running for mayor, who has made his coin flipping as part of the campaign. And when Bruce mentions Langstrom, Oliver corrects Bruce that Langstrom is not a reptile scientist, but he is known as the Batman. He's a bat scientist. And, like Bruce and Oliver, he came from the old families in Gotham. Bruce gets his address and has the boys stay with Oliver. But when the boys go to look for Bruce, they find that he has gone missing. And Jason has been asked to stay on the ship and look after their illegally detained prisoner. Oh, Bruce, breaking all them rules. It's like magically hiding the bodies. Hiding the dead bodies in his house. Keeping a man locked up on his ship. So one of the uh, tropes in like a lot of Lovecraft and Gothic horror is the family relationships and these generational issues and problems. So like, as a person who has loosely studied these, I enjoyed that he does follow a lot of the tropes and makes it work. Yeah. Well, so, let's be real. Mignola knows the tropes. Yep. So Bruce has gone out in his own Batman costume looking for information, and he's wondering if Oliver knows something more that he isn't telling. Bruce goes into the apartment of Langstrom to find policemen and another man looking for something before he chases him out. He follows the clues and finds Langstrom's final statement. The police come back in and chase out Batman, who leaves to read the notes that he got. And in them, Langstrom claimed to be able to talk with bats, who had warned him about an oncoming threat coming to Gotham because the town itself is cursed. 
or because the city itself is cursed. A book called The Testament of Ghoul is the key, and it is owned by a Gotham University professor, a Crosby Manford, which I didn't find any direct references to Crosby Manford. So, sorry, people. Yep. Uh, recently, a mysterious woman had come looking for it as well, according to the Bats, but ultimately Langstrom could not get a hold of the book. Bruce taps into the phone line, and he calls about the book and watches inside to find its location. He then sends Dick to check on Jason, but while he is making this call, Talia al Ghul comes in for the book. Jason sees Batman returning and knows that he must now sacrifice himself to save the Batman. Talia, after pretty much killing Crosby, summons a Daitia, who is an Indian spirit, uh, which in the form of a fire salamander crawls into Crosby's body, possessing him and turning him into a being of fire. Etrigan ends up coming back in to break up the fight between the Daitia and Batman, because Batman had burst in, and this allows Batman to follow Talia, who uh, turns out to have a reptile man for her guard, which is a nice, oh, that's like Killer Croc, except yep. it doesn't have to explicitly be Killer Croc. Yep. The reptile man knocks out Batman, and Talia decides to bring him along, and they descend into the sewers with the book and the now unconscious Batman. Back on the ship, it has been completely frozen in the water. Dick heads over to the boat and finds that Jason has been frozen to death. And Grindon finds him there. And in a amazing slash horrible line, Dick is like, Tell him about it in hell, Mr. Freeze! Yeah. And then he's killed by the reptile man who bursts in. Like the Kool-Aid man. Gordon and the police come in after... And it turns out that Tim snuck along, and they find that Dick has been mauled to death. Later we find out that Tim is actually, yeah, the reptile man, and he was just trying to get all that Wayne inheritance. Yes, it turns out that Batman was being made quite the fool. It was a foppish charade. Batman captures him, pulls off the head. <gasps> Mr. Drake! And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling Batmans. What actually happens next is Batman wakes up bound as Talia is reciting an incantation to bring her father, Ra's al Ghul, back to life. Talia confesses that she is interested in Bruce, and she senses that he knows what is coming. She explains that she is Ra's al Ghul's daughter, and he had found the tomb of the Supermen, who were a race before the humans and used his necromancy to learn their secrets, and then wrote all those secrets down in the Testament of Ghoul before he was killed by an invisible monster. After that, the book was passed to Talia, who used it to become immortal, but she ended up getting entombed for a couple hundred years, and was only just recently woken up by her father summoning her, and now with his jar of remains, she has set out to find the book which had been stolen. The Dietier returns, having beaten Etrigan, and, and now it's in his bottle like a genie. And with the hellfire that he has, uh, Talia is able to resurrect her father. The resurrected Roz asks Batman if he will serve as a slave. But by this time, Batman has escaped the chains that had bound him. 
and he prepares to leave, so Roz summons a plague of reptiles that overtake the city, causing massive chaos just before the general election. I will say this is, to me, one of the big, like, oh, drawing points towards um, Hellboy 2, because, oh, Raz al Ghul really looks like um, Mignola's version of Rasputin in the Hellboy uh, comics. I can see that. So Harvey Dent uses this to bolster his electoral standing while Roz is plotting to take over the free world, or while Roz is plotting to free the Lurker, who is also known as Yogg-Sata. Grendon needs to provide a key, which he doesn't believe he has, but it turns out that Yib Nagaroth, the monster in the ice who had given Grendon his powers, ended up planting the key in him, so the Reptile Man destroys Grendon's Mr. Freeze suit, and the energy ends up creating the key. And, like, as this is going on, we find out that Harvey Dent has won the election on the radio. And... Because Harvey the... Dent didn't create an entire army of lizards to take over the city. Mm -hmm. Therefore, he must be the trustworthy man. And the energy, like, goes into this plant, which takes on a female shape. And what Roz now needs to go with his key is a door. It's the exact opposite Ghostbusters problem. Mm-hmm. Are you the door master? No, I'm the key maker. What? That doesn't Aww. make sense. So, Batman has finally escaped the sewers three days later, and he's looking like beating the hell out. And he recalls that when his parents died, he had found a corpse in the bell tower that had talked to him, and how... He was actually carried out by bats that also spoke to him. The next day, the reptiles have all vanished, and the new mayor, Harvey Dent, goes to the streets. A mysterious woman approaches him, shakes his hands, and makes it incredibly itchy. Tim Drake, who has been staying in the Queen Mansion, finds Oliver Queen dressed as a crusader in the Queen Mansion's chapel, praying to a god and to St. Sebastian, the plague saint, was killed with arrows, arrowheads which Oliver possesses because he believes that he must use them to stop an ancient evil. He says that the evil was drawn to him because of his father's sins, and that's when the mysterious woman turns back into a plant, bursts into the chapel, and kills Oliver. Batman bursts in as Tim tries to fight it, and Batman destroys it with fire, burning the plant and ending it. And Batman notes that he should be dead, and he believes that he is now changing into what he will need to be to fight evil. And because Oliver is dead, Tim gives the arrows to Batman. Harvey Dent is meanwhile visiting Herbert West. You know, like the reanimator! Oh yeah! Because he has a strange poison ivy-like rash across half of his body. And hours later we see him back at home, and that side of his body is turned into a fleshy monstrosity, and Talia has come to fetch him. Batman goes to mourn Dick and Jason, and he's also, like, taken to dressing, like, his costume with, like, an overcoat over it at all times. Gordon shows up and wants him to talk to Barbara, his daughter, who believes that she can talk to dead people. She mentions a Batman spirit, who thanks him for taking on his burden, which would be Langstrom. And she also mentions that a man in fire promises to meet him in the old courthouse. 
Before the meeting, Batman has been talking to Langstrom's corpse, and then he goes to the courthouse where he finds Barbara. The spirit of Crosby, Jacob Manford, appears, and he relates the origin story of Gotham City. At the beginning, it had just been a fort until Bartley Langstrom, Henry Queen, Thomas Wayne, and himself had shown up wanting to make Gotham into a great city. They met a man named Ludwig Prynn, who was actually a character from Divarius Mysterisus, or The Mysteries of the Worm, which was a fake grimoire that Lovecraft was a fan of, which was written by Robert Block. And, uh... You mean grimoire? Grimoire. Oh. Grimoire? Grimoire? Grimer! Yes. Found in that Grimer. Yes. That Grimier. And, uh... Prynne ended up offering his services as a warlock, using his great power, opened a portal to hell, which was actually just this tomb city of the reptile people that was under Gotham. And this was all because he possessed the Testament of Ghoul. When they finished the ritual, the four men ended up beating Prynne and left him for dead, which allowed Gotham to grow into the city that it is now. And the four men themselves never aged and pretty much pretended to be their own children and ancestors. Which I like how they keep pretending to always do that, but I'm like, hmm. People would see through that, yeah. Yeah. I was like, when they try pulling that off now, I was just like, that's bullshit. The uh, Social Security office would see through your crap so goddamn fast. I would say you could probably just get a really, really thick beard and then surprise people. Yeah. And do it that way. But, uh... But not now. Not the IRS. Yeah. They'd know. So, Langstrom went mad and hung himself because of visions of the Lurker... And his own descendant was left as a warning for Bruce. Prynne, who was left in the basement, eventually like turned into the lizard man because of all the weird-ass shit that he was eating. Henry and Thomas eventually wanted kids again, so they had Oliver and Bruce. Henry ended up going mad and killed Thomas and Martha. And the, Bru- and the ghost that Bruce had seen as a child was Langstrom. Oliver found out that his dad was the madman and tried to take up his father's burden, which is why he ended up trying to become a hunter to hunt the strongest things there were, but ultimately he was not worthy enough. Sorry, Grin Arrow. Mm-hmm. So Batman... Unworthy. So unworthy. Oliver Queen, you failed this city. You failed this city on rock and roll. So Batman now has to stop them by going through the door before the thing is called. And a and this like hole opens up in the ground of the courthouse. Batman and the lizard man fight before Batman traps him under falling rocks. He then finds Harvey, who half of his body is the fleshy monstrosity... That has a portal inside of it now. And he ends up stealing Harvey's coin. Which is a total dick move. since it Yeah really for real. It's like wow dude. <laughs> and then he crosses into the doorway to this black dimension. Inside. Raza's summoning Yogg-Sapa. And Raza's two guards turn into werewolves. 
Batman kills them both with two of his three holy arrows, but it is too late because Roz has now opened up. Because Roz has now woken up Yogg-Sotha. Roz expects Batman to go mad at the sight, but it turns out that Batman has really gotten used to seeing Yogg-Sotha. Like in his dreams and shit, so it doesn't really bother him. And he aims the last arrow at Roz. Roz is able to catch it inside the Testament of Ghoul. So Batman and Roz get into a fight. Roz uses his magic to try and kill Batman, but it just turns Batman into a Batman hybrid, and it turns Roz into like a weird Mignola-style monster. Yep. They keep fighting it, and Talia tries to grab the book, but it ends up burning her, and when she prays for help to Yogg-Sotha, it grabs her instead. Where's your god now, Talia al Ghul? <laughs> Batman ends up grabbing the book and impales Roz with the arrow that is still inside of it, and Yogg-Sotha is forced to fully appear. Etrigan takes his time to break out of the jar that he had been put into, and because Batman has fulfilled the prophecies, Etrigan runs through Yogg-Sotha, returning him to his prison, and Etrigan tells Batman that, pretty much, your life here is fucked, but uh, your next life you're going to get all those rewards you deserve. Batman escapes through the portal where Harvey's body is now on fire, and he asks Bruce to look after his city, and the fire burns down the courthouse. Six months later, Tim Drake is now running the Wayne Foundation, which will fund the rebuilding of Gotham, and Batman is still stuck as a Batman hybrid, and Tim mentions that he has withdrawn from public life because of the injuries sustained in the fire but he will keep an eye out if Gotham will ever need him again. And that's the end Hooray. of the doom that came to Gotham. Yeah, I enjoyed it overall. Yeah, I know, I liked it. It was good. Like, it didn't necessarily have a lot of high points to it, but it was a standardly enjoyable story. Yeah, there was no low points, really. Yeah. Like, there's that, just that cheesy Mr. Freeze line. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, where did you put, uh, your story on the Trials of the Multiverse list? Oh, shit, I don't remember. It was in the thing, it was in the notes, it was high. Can you, but... like, look that up real quick? Yeah. I said, any way you want it, that's the way. Ah, we put it right under Hollywood Spider-Man. So number 24. And where did you put your story? Uh, it is right under Terry Austin's Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane at 348. Yeah, it is really not good. See, we gotta see... Uncle Ben team up with Silk and Spider and uh, yeah Spider Man, where Uncle Ben uses all of his powers from that time that he was a special forces in the cop department. Uh, we had early. Uh, he puts the hurt. We had early two thousands gay stereotypes. Ooh. In a bad way, and uh, it was just not good the writing was absolutely horrible and overwritten 
and ultimately it was like one issue of comics stretched out to like three. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, the doom that came to Gotham, I'm figuring we'll probably go top quarter for this. Probably. So, we currently have 361, so half of that would be 180, so half of that would be 90, so we will start off. Is it better or worse than Magneto had a eating disorder? It's better than that. Better than Vampire Avengers? Sure. Better than Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme? Sure. Well... Yeah. Uh, better than Magic went into the ocean for ten minutes. Mm, yeah. Well, right above that is Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. I like that one more. Uh, and right under it is Justice League, The Nail, and Another Nail, which are weirdly comparable to copy Matt Wilson's catchphrase. Mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah, right under Magic went into the ocean for ten minutes is a good spot. Yeah. So, Earth, question mark, Doom that came to Gotham. It's our new 67. Not bad. Uh, yeah, and we did not have any questions, but you know where people can go if they do have questions for us, Devin? Where? Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, MZ. Do you know where people can go if they have reviews for us? Where? MultiverseAQ at gmail.com. iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn. Actually, I haven't checked most of those sites in a while, so I may have to do that. Sorry if you've uh, posted there and I have not checked. Life has been busy for Luke. And, uh... Yeah. We are Multiverse of Q at the Twitter. Devin, where can people find you online? You can find me at Twitter at the Fred of Fed. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on the Twitter at at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. And you can buy my book from Legacy Rising Publications called Heroes International Online. If you find me on Twitter, there's links and stuff for that. The best is if you listen to last week's episode where my co-host Lorenzo DeMarquez flat out says he does not want people to find him on Twitter. No, don't worry, because Bree had enough stuff to promote for both of them. Nice. I was like, Lorenzo, where yeah. can people find you? No. <laughs> cool. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, next week will be a question mark where we may be taking a week off so I can wrap up the new universe stuff and then we'll be getting into new universe or we will have a story in between then and there uh, and we'll also have the results of our uh, voting contest and we should also have uh, some other important stuff so Hooray. we will see you then talk to you later this one's for Yogg Saga and Hank.